0: Welcome, Becca, to the Shadow Playground. I'm so excited to be welcoming you here today.
1: Thank you. I'm super excited to play. Like I mentioned before, when we before we started recording, just to play with with time and and this hour that we have together.
0: An hour that we both are very punctual for. Sort of are
1: like we're like ready to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, maybe just to start off on that subject of play, what's one way that you enjoy playing now?
1: yeah, you know I, I travel full time and so when I'm in a new city, I gotta like do the like I don't do research prior to getting to my next location, but once I'm there, like I spend the first day watching YouTube videos and like doing all the things to like find out where the best restaurants are and um, all the things and I don't just meander through the city. and so that's something that I've been not working on, but like trying to, to, I don't know, I don't even really like the term getting better at, but just play around with and experiment with, um, is just meander through cities and just let buildings and people and things just talk to me and, and respond that way.
0: Ah, uh, that, that is so exciting. And I, and I definitely, I definitely also go in the same direction as opposed to you know lots of, lots of research beforehand. If you actually show sure. up and walk the city and, talk to people and you know look up a couple things in your life that often all the information all the things you need to do and see and enjoy will just naturally come into your line of focus
1: right yeah and you know as a i'm a manifesting generator and so like you know if anyone is familiar um if or not like i one of the ways that i I move through the world essentially is by responding instead of initiating and that research energy or like figuring out you know where to go, what to do is more initiating versus just responding to what feels best for my gut, my body at the moment, and in each moment. And so yeah, practicing that is, is playful for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. And for those who aren't familiar with that, is a manifesting generator. What is that?
1: Yeah, a manifesting generator is is part of like the human design types. And so Um, I'm not a human design coach or expert or anything, but I've been studying it for a few years now. And I do sometimes bring human design into my time coaching with my clients, but um, it's, it's sort of like astrology. There's a part of astrology to it. So all you have to do is put your birth date, time, location in, and then you get your type. And there's five types and they essentially tell you, how to best, you know, use your energy and move through the world and make decisions. And I find that is a really helpful, it's a really helpful tool for me to manage my time, you know, and just, you know, live my life (laughs) in in a way that feels good.
0: Especially when you're arriving in a brand new city, brand new people, brand new things, uh, that could be a really helpful system just for understanding how are you sort of orienting yourself to that, orienting yourself to that experience.
1: Right. Yeah. It's after traveling for two and a half years now, I'm like, okay. I feel like I'm like, settling into the traveling energy, which is interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. A few different concepts guide our lives. So there's this idea of our self-worth comes from what we've done. Time is scarce. And thus, we need to maximize our time to do as much as possible with the recognition of value that we need. And so in this mm-hmm. sort of you know, productivity scarcity mode, there's no reason or time to play. Or really do anything um, that doesn't create traditional value, and so I really see this as sort of a, a condition that kind of seeps into our consciousness. And I'm wondering what is going on here. Why do you think these ideas are so present in sort of Western society?
1: So much is going on here. If I'm being honest with you, it is, uh, you know, a compilation of, you know, systems, economies, psychology human nature like just so much stuff is is you know baked into our relationship with time and it's generational it's cultural like it it's just it's everything is really what is playing at our relationship with time
0: I see this all around with people saying things like I don't have enough time I never have enough time Um, I'm overwhelmed uh working so hard trying to get somewhere uh and not really like not really able to without such a metaphor of the hamster wheel.
1: Yeah, those are very common messaging. And you know, with that sentence, I heard three main things how that impact our time that I guess I could pull out and maybe we can play around with and experiment with. But the first one is psychology, is is our how we think, how we feel and our connection to something greater than our spirituality and so self-worth is is what i'm getting at in that sentence when we are so focused on doing we forget that we are inherently worthy just as we are and you know our connection to something greater than helps me personally and a lot of the, the folks that i work with really tune into the truth of sort of like the universe like that we are inherently worthy as just being alive like if you look at a baby for example like a baby is a beautiful gorgeous like creature that is just you know gifted out of nowhere for example like that baby is inherently worthy and that baby is each of us, you know, as human beings, as animals, as plants, as all of these things on this earth that we have access to and we're in relationship with every single day. It that is, is like the first part is, is our psychology and our, our um, spirituality piece. The second piece that I heard was um, our human nature. So, our human nature is, is fear and survival based. And so I, I often think that our systems of oppression, you know, capitalism, racism, patriarchy, a lot of these things are like our human nature at its worst. Um, and when we think about time and time scarcity and like this hamster wheel and this overwhelm and our our fear, it, it's just completely run by our human nature. And we are humans. We do have needs. We do have bills to pay. And also going back to the first point, we are spiritual beings and we are inherently worthy. And this life is magical and beautiful and amazing and all of these things. And so there is going to be a natural dual, like dualistic kind of tension that I think a lot of us feel, whether we've, you know, put words to it or not, there's this, there's tension. And then on top of that, like, you know, the labor piece or the value piece is all baked into economy and and capitalism and you know modern day the the labor movement that we're a part of it's we've been taught to sell our time we've been taught to turn our human life our time into a resource that we allow ourselves and the people around us and our bosses and our workplaces to exploit and so all of those things really come together to impact how we think and feel and use our time.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for just laying it out like it is. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty overwhelming when you think about it. This, this 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 dynamic, which is invisible, sort of, is affecting affecting us so much. And if I were to just just to summarize what I heard, there was the, the sense of not being worthy as an adult, for instance, not feeling worthy, uh, and then also feeling trapped in a cycle of fear and survival connected to systems of oppression and also being, um, believing that to, to turn our time into a resource, we need to be productive. So, I mean, yeah. that, that's a lot to hold. That's a lot yeah. to hold.
1: It is. And it, it's also, you know, when you get, I, I love talking about this stuff and I love connecting it with history and cultural and, and ancestry and all of these things. And because it's so complex. And when we think about time management, we're so used to like, just little quick hacks, like just set a timer for 25 minutes and get a ton of work done. Like it is so much more than just time management. And, you know, a lot of my clients have shame around time and time management when they start working with me. And it's because we've been like taught that time management is this hack. that should be easy for us to figure out and now that just like you know open the door wide open to how much goes into how we think and feel about time and how we use it um we you know if you're listening to this like just know that it's not this easy thing that you can solve with hacks it's not easy to figure out what to do with your most precious resource your life
0: Mm. Yeah, it's not like you know pomodoro 20 minutes <laughs> there you go it's like there's, there's deep the roots go much deeper yeah what what are some of the impacts of these things in, in your client's lives that you speak with what are some of the impacts of the um i guess studies that we're talking about in terms of their daily lives and how they exist in the world that you that you see often you mentioned shame as one of them
1: yeah i mean the because you know i my title if you will is holistic Time coach. I don't say time management coach, and on my website, it does for SEO. If if you know what that is, it's for Google purposes. But um, the the benefits that I see in my my clients because I think about time in this abstract, this philosophical way, it impacts every area of someone's life. So on a personal level, it impacts their physical health, their mental health, their emotional health, their spirituality. Um, I've seen clients heal that shame that they've felt their whole lives about, you know, wasting time or not having enough time or not making time for the things that are deeply important to them. And that frees their brain, that frees their energy, that frees their, their being so much up that they get to then create and do the things that are deeply important and meaningful to them creating art laying um you know spending time with their kids or their partners or their other you know pet pets loved ones whoever and that is is so amazing to watch and then you know of course on an external level society level I've seen clients you know write books and make more money than they've ever made. And I've seen clients take three months off of work without an issue and, you know, travel the world as well and grow their businesses, grow their work, achieve really meaningful goals and their profession. Like every area of, of someone's life is impacted by reconfiguring their relationship to time and Using it in a way that, that really benefits that person, that individual, that beautifully unique human being.
0: I have an image of repeat the metaphor of a hamster wheel. You can imagine someone running, 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 just getting more and more tired and wrung out. And I'm almost hearing that you, in some ways, are able to stand by the person and help them get off, to just take a breath, and from there, actually focus their time and energy on things that deeply resonate with them as opposed to being in this mm. sort of grind.
1: What a beautiful image. Oh my gosh, I love that you shared that. It's exactly what I do. Like literally I put my hand out and I'm like, "Hey, you don't have to be in that hamster wheel anymore. Like come on over here. It's fun. It's okay." And once you get out of it, the you know, you can see the sky. You're not underneath this like hamster wheel cloud anymore. Um you can see the sky, you can touch the earth, you can Feel the sun on your skin and from that place, like I always say that all clarity, all solutions, all, you know, next steps are that, you know, they come from the present moment, they come from pausing and slowing down and connecting with your true self. And from there, it everything becomes clear. And it's really true. Mm
0: So by actually connecting to the present moment, to themselves, that's one of the keys, as I understand it, to be getting off of this wheel. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that, that's the first thing I do with everybody. <laughs> everybody.
0: <laughs> and so what does that look like when you're doing that first step with them?
1: Yeah, you know, it looks different for everybody, not everybody. I think when you pause and come to stillness, a lot of trauma can come out, <laughs> a lot of Stuff because we've quite frankly become addicted to doing and productivity and and externalizing our our worth and our work, um, and so there is a lot of trauma sensitivity. Obviously, I'm not a mental health specialist. I'm not a therapist, and so if something you know trauma, a lot of trauma does come out. Then of course, bring in external support with a, a therapist, a trauma specialist. Um, but if someone you know, generally speaking, it can look like meditation, mindfulness. I'm also a yoga teacher and a Reiki healer. And so that definitely plays into my work with folks. Um, and so like, you know, guided meditation, visualizations, getting up, dancing, stretching, shaking, pulling tarot cards, or Oracle cards, or really if the client has something that they love to do that helps them connect with themselves, like, you know, journaling, checking in on, 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 what's been going right, any self-awareness kind of exercises, practices, drawing, writing, et cetera, all of that stuff we use.
0: There, there's such a, I, I really like how much playfulness there is in your practice, like you're saying that okay, to connect to now and your body. And the way you do that is actually really large and it can be anything that you want including practices that you've never heard of as long as they resonate with your clients.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of, of a true, like, you know, there's, this is a whole nother podcast episode. But you know, coaching, the difference between coaching and consulting and therapy and all these different, you know, support systems that we could potentially hire and have in our lives, um, have all very different roles. And I feel, I feel like sometimes they're they're confused. And so, you know, a coach, a true coach is someone who doesn't tell someone what to do. And so when I get on the call, like, you know, the first thing is to connect with ourselves. My clients know that, but you know, I ask them, do you want to breathe? Do you want to get up? Do you want to, you know, do something completely random? Like what, how would you like to connect with yourself in this moment? And that helps them step into their power and their worth and their agency. And that is really the true skill that is important with time is to reclaim the agency that you have over your time in your life.
0: Mm. That's so important. That's so important. Otherwise, it would just be receiving a message of expertise from you an know, external external source.
1: You know, with with most time management, there's so much what I call time disempowerment. It's because our the industry around productivity and time management, billion-dollar industry, is like, I have this magical hack and this magical system and this thing. It's gonna cure all your problems, it's gonna change your life, it's gonna make you you know a better human being and it plays to all of our weaknesses that you know we want this, this dark shadow of, of ourselves or our lives to go away and um to solve our pain and like most time management people are coming from that place of like I have the solution and that's never going to solve someone's real time issue.
0: Mm, yeah definitely that's a that's a really it's that's great to hear that your approach is so crystal in that sense, that you really have that sense of lifting up the, the person's own expertise in their own lives. One of the things that I've looked at on this podcast is specifically how the the notion of saying something or understanding a concept is vastly different from that sort of somatic change that is required in the body. Mm. So for instance, we're talking about playfulness, and you could very easily say, like, let's develop Let's develop an easier sense of play or flow uh, in our lives. And that's a very easy concept to understand, to actually integrate that into one's body is a whole series of practices, uh, a journey of sorts. And so I'm wondering, or in this case, if someone is, let's say, tuning in, let's say someone is taking a breath and tuning into their own relationship of time, and they're tuning in, tuning in, tuning in, and the messages that are coming forth are kind of like, I actually need to be doing something else right now. I'm not doing enough. And they're also with that sense of scarcity. So they're tuning in and they're feeling this huge gaping scarcity and I need to be doing. And so then that's what's yeah. coming up in sort of the mindfulness and the, um, in when there is that presence and that stillness. How, how can someone, uh, sort of dance with that or interact with that? Because I can imagine it being scary to you know have just looking at other things so directly.
1: Yeah, it is. And that's, you know, what I mentioned earlier, trauma. Like I think that that's a trauma response. When people pause, their their skin crawls and they're they're itchy. Like all of that is physical withdrawal symptoms. Like it's quite literally an addiction to doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of sensitivity around this that um I hold and also get support. The, the clients sometimes get support from therapists as well. And you know, how I personally would handle or do handle that is continuing to practice. And of course, it, with it being comfortable or safe or cha- like challenging enough, but not overwhelming to somebody. Um, I always think of like, I, I see this Venn diagram. If you're a visual person think of like a circle and the the circle it says comfort zone a circle a little bit bigger than that around the edges is the challenge zone and then another circle a little bit bigger is the um overwhelmed zone and so there's very much like you know this is individual when a client is pausing and they're doing their meditation or mindfulness practice figuring out where they are on that spectrum is really important And I would say, you know, in that challenge zone, it's really key to listen. Like, what is that voice telling you? (laughs) Like, meeting it head on, essentially, and and listening to it. Like, why, why is this voice here? Like, what part of you is this voice? And getting really curious and compassionate about what that thing is trying to do for you. You know, everything that we think and feel in some way shape or form is trying to do something for us whether it's protective supportive or not um, it's all for us you know we've created it and so i think that is if you're in that challenge zone figuring out what that that voice is there for and how to be with it how to hold it in discomfort how to, you know continue to pause and trust that by continuing to practice pausing meditating being with yourself um, over time it will truly get easier um and you know a personal story for from me is you know in september of this year a few months ago um for my birthday i got an akashic reading and you know i've dabbled in meditation for years like you know being a yoga teacher i, I got into meditation around like 2014 so I've been actively meditating on and off for however many that that years is (laughs) eight nine years which isn't like um, a ton of time but it is a a decent bit of time and this Akashic reader was like girl like every every question that you ask all of the spirit guides all the the guides all the people are like you just got to sit with yourself you just got to sit with yourself you got to sit with yourself and whatever shifted within my being, I've been able to sit with myself, completely quiet, not listening to someone else guiding me in meditation um, for about at least 10 to 20 minutes every single morning, basically, since then. And I don't know what shifted, but something massive shifted within me. And it's changed a lot.
0: What a beautiful gift to receive that message and have it land so deeply within yourself like you know I don't actually need someone else's voice my voice is here I'm here yeah yeah I'm wondering for you personally just having reached that point of being able to be with yourself not needing some guru some other voice some method just being there what has what has that brought you so far
1: connection and clarity are the two main words that are coming up like when in the past before. September when I would try and meditate that whole notion even though I know even though logically my brain is like I know that your brain doesn't have to be quiet to meditate there's still a part of me that was like you if you think that anything if if any thoughts come up you're doing it wrong and what shifted was by not listening to somebody else by not putting on a guided meditation or music or anything else and just laying with myself. And I usually do it right when I wake up. So I'm still kind of like in and out of sleep, Um, but I'll just set my insight timer for like 10 to 20 minutes just to like ding me. um, And you know, all that kind of support. I use it as a support tool, but um, just being with myself and listening to my thoughts has allowed me to connect with myself deeper and the clarity of the quality of mind the quality of thoughts the quality of being has increased over time and I no longer have that voice that's like if you think anything or if you have any thoughts you're doing this wrong now I'm like I have 20 minutes to just Allow my brain, my body, my being to do whatever it wants to do with complete self acceptance and self compassion, and you know, of course, that has that that stays with you throughout the day. And I don't know if this is connected in any way, shape, or form, but literally last month I had the best month of my business ever. I paid myself the most that I've ever paid myself, um, and. You know, I just I feel so much more connected and clear about who I am, what I want to do, who I want to be, and the acceptance and compassion stays with me throughout the day. And that is, I mean, it's it's those are kind of like massive changes, but that's my reflection verbally processing with you.
0: (laughs) Wow. I mean, you are the first person you're prioritizing and being with today is yourself like i just think it so powerful like literally the first thing it's not a cell phone not someone else nothing you need to do it's really prioritizing being there for you for your experience for your thoughts yeah and it also
1: like, want to homie i
0: homie. love you oh <laughs> <laughs> homie i love you there you go with it because there's a huge mention of self-love it there and yeah. I, I i'm also hearing it's like you're naming this, um, I'm just trying to put words to it. It feels like you're naming a huge, uh, time disrupting practice, which is specifically, it's not doing nothing. And it's not mindfulness in a traditional sense of returning to the breath or returning to the body or, or following, um, sort of having something repeating in your mind over and over again, like a mantra. You're actually taking time to be with whatever is there, like allowing a space where it's whatever you want, really whatever. And that sounds just so powerful and also completely, uh, how do I say it? Like almost illegal. (laughs) How dare you take time just to do whatever you want?
1: Yeah, when you said earlier, you know, time disrupting, I really thought of it as like time expanding. And when you think of, creation or playing or, or pleasure, joy, all of those remind me, and this is going to go a little bit off course, but coming back, it reminds me of my inner child, right? Inner child work or children, again, bringing it back to kids or babies, like they don't know time, except time is inherently within their body because they're alive and they have a time finite time in this body, this life. So it's in us, but we're not conditioned or ingrained into society's construct of time quite yet. And so we are able to play and we're able to feel joy and we're able to experience pleasure and also all the shadow stuff. But when we, you know, we grow up, we go through school, we go through um, work and, and we are ingrained and we start to, you know, former lives around society's construct of time when i am just with myself for 10 20 minutes every morning with my hand on my heart and allowing any thoughts any feelings anything happen i can scratch i can i'm laying down i'm not in like a seated regular meditation posture like there's so so much acceptance and just being i see it as returning back to the expansive Timelessness, nature that we're all born with. And so, you know, I guess it could be seen as time disruptive and it can also be seen as time expander or expansion. And I think that um, both are valid. I don't know. That was just kind of a rabbit hole, but I think it's important to mention.
0: I understood the way you were saying that it, it wasn't something new or disruptive, it was actually going back to a source. Like our original mm-hmm. relationship to time. And so in that sense, it's actually not, it's not traveling further. It's coming closer to home. Yeah. You mentioned earlier this notion of addiction. Uh, so what is it that we're addicted to when we're about productivity and time scarcity? What What is the addiction that might be there?
1: I think the addiction really is different for everybody. I think for me personally, like my story my addiction was self-harm. My addiction was I didn't feel worthy of, of care or love or happiness, contentment, whatever you want to insert there. And, you know, my story, I grew up with parents who worked all of the time. My, my grandparents were immigrants and very much instilled that, like, you know, assimilation, work really hard. No time for rest, no time for, for family. And that's what I grew up with. And so, you know, when I went to become an engineer, I burned out completely and went to the hospital. And while I was in the hospital with an intestine infection, um, like really severely overworked myself, I was still trying to work in the hospital. I didn't want to go to the doctor. My friend had to drag me there essentially. And then when I got there, I was like, where's my laptop? Where's my phone? Like, I need to work and that addiction was like really quite like if i'm being completely honest with you it's it's an addiction to self-harm it's an addiction to to self-hate and um stemming from neglect and and a lack of of worth and that might feel a little bit harsh to say or it might feel hard to follow for some folks and so that's why i'm like the addiction kind of like comes differently in, in each different person's consciousness. That's just my own experience. You know, other other people can be like, I'm addicted to not being, you know, not being still, being active, doing things. That could be just, you know, I'm addicted to, to being on. Um, I'm addicted to work. I'm addicted to productivity. Like we can be addicted to all these different things, but at the end of the day, the addiction is what I always come back to is the inability to be with self and doing anything that doesn't allow me to come home to myself and be with myself. So that makes sense.
0: That makes complete sense. It's the, it's, so we're addicted to the inability to be with self or in some cases, it sounds like for other people or each person has their own addictions as well. You mentioned how self-harm and self-hate might be there or being on or just being productive. But it's not like there's a bit right. of a uh, reflection required for the person to think, you know, what am I addicted to here that's me keeping you going in such a mechanical way?
1: Yeah. You know, when I think about addiction, it's like the. You don't want to do something, but you're doing it anyways. And so that's a really great way to ask yourself a great coaching question is to like, what am I doing that I don't want to do? And. Figuring, you know, once once you ask yourself that, then it's a little bit easier to frame it sort of as like, oh, <laughs> like I'm, I'm kind of addicted to procrastinating or social media or, you know, whatever. But then it's sort of like, okay, what is this thing really about? And then going deeper into your thought or your feelings, like what do those things give you? Mm-hmm. How are they helping you, supporting you? Um what are they doing for you? And that helps get clear on like, what are we actually, quote unquote, running from or not wanting to be with.
0: And when you did that own exploration for yourself, what were some of the, the answers that came forward uh, when you were looking at those, mentions of the self-harm and self-hate, you know, in what ways were those voices looking for you or wanting to support you?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, my critical, I always think of it as critical voice. And so, like, my inner critic, the, the, the voice that was, like, do more, be on, can't rest, you never have enough time, like, all of those kind of typical things, um, was very much connected to, um, you don't deserve to, to, like, be alive. And that's going, like, pretty shadowy with you. <laughs> um, but, like, mm-hmm. you don't deserve to be here you don't deserve anything that you have and you have to work for it and you have to work really hard for it <laughs> yeah. and that was a pretty intense place to, to reckon with I think
0: yeah that must have just felt like once you once you connect to that thought or that idea it must have just been like a wave it's so I mean it's such um it's, it's a huge thing to live with the idea of Oh I don't deserve to be alive, and that's why I'm telling myself.
1: yeah, and it, you know it protected me to go back it it protected me as well from what I thought the world was. oh so I thought the world was projecting that story onto me. I thought that, you know, my parents projected that onto me and my friends and you know my school and and my jobs and all the things externally, I thought they were projecting that. and so if I I always think of like the inner critical voice is really protecting your innermost self from what what it thinks the world is is saying to you. and so if the you know if your inner critical voice is saying you don't have enough time, it's because it's protecting the innermost tender, joyful, beautiful soul that you have inside of you from. A bunch of things it can be other people you know not having enough time for you (laughs) like that's a big way that that shows up Um, it can also be if you make time for your dreams and they don't pan out in the way that you want them to that's how the inner critic is is protecting you from doing it doing the things that you want to do and so there's a lot of ways that our inner critic is really trying to us but in reality it's it's not
0: mm, those are so it the waters go so deep in terms <laughs> of in terms of this you you could imagine someone's inner critic completely sabotaging them on so many levels and then like you said as an example you could it it could turn out that a part of that that inner critic is trying to protect someone from failing or trying to protect them from actually just being with truth of how they experience the world or like inner thought or emotion because it would be too painful to actually to actually sit with it so it's i mean yeah. it's it's a it's a strategy that you know best of intentions but in the long run i uh, need to really be knocked out it sounds like
1: my brain is like trying to keep up with this because it is really deep and murky and messy and shadowy and it's like whoa <laughs> like this goes deep and wide and through inside all the things and um, yeah, this is like the deepest conversation I've had about this. I think.
0: Well, thank you so much for just being willing to go into those deep waters. And this this, this podcast is called Shadow Playground for a reason because it there's okay. it's not all light and fun and easy and let's just change our lives and have fun. Like to get there, you need to go through the depths. You need to think about what's what are the hidden layers. What's like a thing I'm sensing but not able to name right now. And yeah. I wanted to just name that from my perception and receiving you today, it's incredible to hear your path because you come from this lineage of hard workers and yourself, you directly went into that path as an engineer to the point of sickness and working in the hospital. And whereas some people could have kept going and continued on that path, you were able to switch. You were able to laterally step out and imagine and dream of an entire new existence both for yourself and for helping people confront the exact dynamics that you were experiencing and your family have been navigating so there's a huge amount of courage and strength and just uh, ability to press pause and say this is not it i am going to create another life myself and that is magical
1: Thank you for re- reflecting all of that back to me. And what it brought up for me that I wanted to share is, like you mentioned, shadow playground, like the duality. And so I often think about, you know, the harmful or negative, the shadow part of growing up from a lineage of immigrants and entrepreneurs and workaholics, addicts, etc. And um, what also is true about immigrants is that they risked it all to come to a new country for a better life. And that is quite frankly, one of my superpowers is making risks, taking risks, you know, at 17, moving a thousand miles away for college in a state that I had knew no one and being a digital nomad, you know, I don't know where I'm going to live in two months from now. Like that's a risk. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't know when my next, you know, where my next client will come from necessarily um it's all you know up to a lot of different things that I might not have complete control over all the time and I live my life in this way because it's hard of course but it's the most freeing and beautiful and all like full of awe like that's that's the word that I always come back to like every country that I get to go to it reminds me of you know looking up and just being like, whoa. I'm just like in so much awe of this place and these people and this culture and constantly, you know, not constantly, I move every three months. I I stay typically in a place for three months. So I definitely settle and and like get into my routine and rhythm. Um, But I still get to experience awe so much and like what a life to live that you get to experience so much awe and risk taking and uncertainty and being okay with all of that is just like ugh,
0: it's it's awesome <laughs> well I can I can, I can hear in your voice the the pleasure like the fun you're having like you're traveling yeah. around the world with your own business and you took some risks and they're paying off
1: yeah they are so I gotta acknowledge my my playground of ancestors
0: as well one of the dynamics that we looked at in this podcast is that it's all connected the, the shadow and the light and the, the, the good and the bad and the the binaries often aren't so binary so yes yeah. an immigrant that has worked really hard and focused on results who also took huge risks and probably found a huge amount of joy in discovering new part of the world and it's, it's not it's not so simple to put it paint it into a corner yeah so true I think it's helpful to look around us for positive and inspiring examples when we're trying to uh create sort of behavior change or mindset shift so what are some practices that you might be able to observe in people uh who have a healthy relationship to time so people who have a healthy relationship to time what are some of the things that they might be doing or saying
1: <laughs> there well i think the saying part is more about what they're not saying so if you're not hearing from somebody oh my god i can't believe it's already december 2022 oh my god i can't believe it's already 2022 or time flies like the the people that have truly a healthy relationship to time aren't saying those things they're not saying um and of course this i don't want to paint it in this binary black and white either like i'm sure that some people have a healthy relationship to time and still go through periods where they feel these things or they just say it to be a part of you know community and so i want to caveat that but generally speaking i want to say that someone knows that time is finite and yet it's it feels abundant or it feels expansive or it feels like a resource that they can work with and so they're not necessarily saying all of those time scarcity scripts or phrases um another thing another thing that you want to look at is you know are they present with you (laughs) like presence of course is a really big piece to the time Um, and so if they're able to be present with you not on their phone not you know looking all around that is is what I think of as like a health someone with a healthy relationship to time. They say they do what they're gonna they what do I say this? they do what they say they're gonna do. Um, so there's like a decent bit of like follow through and accountability and responsibility for their actions and their what they want, their desires, their um, their thoughts, their feelings. I think that is someone that has a healthy relationship to time. There's a bunch of different stuff because it is so holistic and it, it really impacts every every area of someone's life when they work on time. But <laughs> I don't even want to say it's someone with like all their shit together either because I don't think that like someone with a healthy relationship to time knows that there's seasons and sometimes there is like a, a busier season or a more on season and then sometimes. There's a lot of rest, but, you know, at the end of the day, I really think that it's about someone who's present, intentional, you know, playing, has free time, is healthy in a holistic way. So physically, mentally, spiritually, um, and just like in their, in their being, in their power, in their agency.
0: That's beautiful. I, I would go, go on a limb, it sounds almost like it's someone who perhaps has stresses and seasons and cycles in their life that, you know, naturally ebb and flow, but that their primary stressor is not time, because they have an expansive relationship to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, they collaborate with it. That's what I always say is, is team up with time, collaborate with time. It's not something to like, Put your talents of control around and manage, and you know, turn it into this thing that you need to figure out. It's how do you become time, and how do you let time become you, and how do you uh, um, connect with it and use it, and let it use you, and like all of the things. How do you um, be with time? How do you be with yourself in time?
0: Versus fighting it, you know, you can imagine. Yeah 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 i have a a couple more questions here one is a light one one's a big one um what's your opinion about to-do
1: lists (laughs) as like a previous huge lover of lists lists are very much a safety mechanism or survival mechanism even i think like whenever I'm stressed and overwhelmed, my brain is like, make a list, (laughs) go to the list. But when I'm in a playful, flowy state, I'm like, what's best for me right now? What do I feel like doing? And allowing myself to do that without guilt, without shame. um, I'm not in survival when I'm in an expansive moment with time. And when I'm in my body and in the present moment, in the flow. And so I think very much to do lists are our survival human thing. And of course we oscillate between my opinion is we oscillate between our humanness and our spirit selves or true selves. Um and that's just is what it is. And so I just use to-do lists when my my human self needs it. And then the rest of the time, I'm just flowing.
0: Nice. I like that. I like that. How you have that pretty clearly laid up for yourself. I'm in a human mode right now. I need a list. <laughs> I'm pretty <Yeah>. stressed out. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that it's really important for, for our human selves to use the, the tools that we need to feel better. And that is, is OK.
0: Mm-hmm. Last question here, and there's so many more that we could get into, but you also have uh, amazing content on your website and podcasts across the internet as well. Uh, If you were able to give a sort of shock treatment to the whole planet uh, so that we would all wake up tomorrow with a renewed relationship to time, what would that shock treatment be?
1: So the disconnection, I know maybe this, I don't know if disconnection is the right word, But the disillusionment about the connection between our money and our time. Our society has inherently linked these two concepts together. And so it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrific and horrible all in one. (laughs) (laughs) That (laughs) people can't take time for themselves because they have bills to pay and they have they need to make money to survive. It's absolutely tragic and I think that time off, rest, taking care of ourselves is a human right. It's a basic need and so I think that it should be a human right um, and I think all of our societies are failing us and so it is very political and I think that shockwave needs to be a little bit radical and a little bit political and um, it's like actually all people not use money as an excuse to take care of themselves better. (laughs) It's like, and I say excuse with a lot of love. I think that it's very real for a lot of people. And also, I truly believe that every single person can set a timer for one minute and put their hand on their heart and take a few deep breaths. But at the end of the day, people say that, you know, money is, I can't take time off. I can't do this. I can't take care of myself. Um, and a lot of times people then use money as, as the reason why they can't. And, you know, aside from that, my I started a mutual aid organization recently called Mutual PTO. And so that's very much like the mission of that mutual aid organization is to give folks, low income folks, money like PTO that don't get PTO from work to be able to take time off and, and take care of themselves and rest. And... So yeah, that, that's what the shockwave that I think is most important is really disconnecting money and time so we can reclaim the agency that we do have over our time and take care of ourselves.
0: Amazing. Like, a... <laughs> time is not money and we have time for self-care. And it's beautiful that you are working at both a micro level and also you've started a mutual aid organization directly related to this. Yeah. Anything else to add before we close for today?
1: Oh, we talked about so much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know. I mean, I think that like really just there's so many things I feel like I could still add, but we talked about so much stuff. I just at the end of the day, like, you know, society tries to tell us that time we don't have agency over our time. Time is not ours. Time should be productive, like value driven work, making money. And then, you know, in the mindfulness or not mindfulness necessarily, but like the spiritual online business guru kind of place tells us that we have complete agency over our time. We should, you know, we are able to choose 100% of the time what we should do and what we want to do. And leaving with this like there's there's a gray zone there's the messy middle there's no binary here like there is a percentage of your life and your being that you have agency over and the more external constraints due to identity and trauma and you know ancestors lineage culture all of these things impact our agency and the more and more that we reckon with those shadow parts of us we're able to reclaim more and more agency Um, But we still live in the society that we live in. And so it's a constant play. It's a constant experiment. And making time to work on your time is the most radical and ripple effect. If you want to get science-y or business-y, it's the biggest return on investment that you could make ever in your life is to have a a healthy and abundant, expansive relationship with your time. And you know that's why I do what I do. (laughs) That's why it's so important
0: oh thank you i so clear take time to work on your time thank you <laughs> thank you becca for being an inspiration for people whoever's listening to this and also people in your practice uh just thank yourself you. having dived deep into these time waters and come up with just so so many beautiful ideas to share with the world
1: thank you yeah i was it was a great combo <laughs> <laughs> yeah